Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. It is such a blessing this morning to have Christopher Allen with us. Glory to God. Reverend Christopher Allen has, now I know that he doesn't put a lot of uh, emphasis on numbers because a lot of people in the, on the uh, uh, mission field, evangelism and so forth, a lot, a lot of times they inflate numbers. And Brother Christopher has always pulled away from that. And so he, he rarely uh, gives numbers for his crowds or the number of people that, that, gives, that get saved. But I'm sure in the 30, how many years have you been on the mission field now? Since 83, 30, 39 years. 39 years. I, can, I think it's safe to say millions have come to Christ. In his meetings, as God has worked through him to not only present the gospel, but to demonstrate the gospel, to give witness to what God can do and the power of God. And uh, his, miracle, his ministry, uh, the way he ministers, uh, signs and wonders and miracles follow the, the simple preaching of the word. Pastor Greg and I have been in several of his, of, of Pastor uh, Brother Christopher's crusades in Africa. And typically he preaches a, a fairly short, for American standards, very short message. And just presents a, a, a real uh, simple message that anyone can understand. And the message is that Jesus did it all. And you can come to him and he will wash you clean. He'll give you an an eternal life, make you a new person. And he'll heal your body. And he'll heal you uh, in in every arena of life. And then God just demonstrates that. And it's a powerful thing to to be a part of and to watch. And, uh, you know, we've we've grown very close to to Brother Christopher. He's he's a very dear friend uh, to to Pastor Greg and, and me alike. And uh, we enjoy our fellowship with him. We enjoy being with him. He doesn't have time this time, but we love it when he comes and has a couple of days extra that he can stay over. And, and Pastor Angela and I and, and, and Greg and Amy, and, and we'll, you know, we'll just spend time with Christopher. And it's so rich. The fellowship is so rich. This time he has to leave in the morning to get back home because I think Saturday you're going to Argentina. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, he's very busy, but he carved out some time to come and be with us, and we are we're really honored and blessed to have him. Glory to God, my dear friend Christopher. Come, glory to God. He's going to uh, he's going to uh, instruct the video department to show some pictures and a couple of videos, and then he's going to minister. God bless you. Take your liberty today. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand up together. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, we come to your presence in the name of your son Jesus who died for us upon the cross, taking upon himself our sins, our shortcomings and our diseases. 
and by whose stripes we were healed i ask you father to let your word go forth with power and impart faith into our hearts father draw us closer to you equip us lord and be glorified in and through our lives in the name of jesus amen please be seated thank you pastor edwin for your kind words praise god i want to start by showing you a powerpoint praise god uh, do you want to stay here and play you can do that okay all right praise god praise god uh, i want to show you a powerpoint this is now uh, what i'm going to do is this this is just some pictures from our last year you know 2021 in tanzania because as you know when covid came there was lockdowns and shutdowns basically all over the world most countries won't won't even let you in and then when they opened up would let you in they would not allow gatherings large gatherings but tanzania was open and uh, what happened was that when covid first came the president of tanzania he he uh, he shut the whole country down for a week but he said all the churches should be open i want everyone to pray and so the whole nation prayed so at the end of the week he said that uh, by, by that time you know there was uh, news you know in france and italy people were dying and i mean all over the world it was really, especially countries which had an, a large uh, percentage of elderly people people were dying so he said if these wealthy countries cannot handle this thing how will we as africans handle this you know so he declared seven days of fasting and praying and so they fasted and prayed for seven days and then he wanted all the churches to fast and pray and then he said that uh, well we have fasted and prayed and i believe god has heard i declare the nation clean and so he said we'll have three days of thanksgiving and so they had three days of thanksgiving and then everything was open for business as usual he just told people just wash your hands and all that just stay clean but other than that everything was open and as a result i found out that tanzania was open for for crusade so i went there i talked to missionaries and doctors because you know there were uh, there were journalists who were criticizing tanzania and they said that people are dying like flies and you know they're just hiding the figures but i talked to missionaries and medical doctors and they told me that yes we do have covid but it is so marginal there's uh, uh, very very few cases very very few cases and so it has been we have done our crusades and uh, and it has been good we could we so you know 2020 we didn't do anything we did two crusades in india at the beginning of the year but last year 2021 we did 10 crusades uh, uh, well one was in bangladesh and nine were in tanzania we had to cancel one crusade because our truck was stuck at the border for three and a half weeks so one crusade was washed out but we did nine crusades in africa and uh, it was good and tanzania is a new country for us so i want to show you a few pictures from tanzania and uh, let's put up the first picture this is in the town of mohesa a very small town this town is 90% muslim and people came by the thousands to hear the gospel and the next one 
this is in Uyole, in the southernmost tip of Tanzania, and you can see people came, uh, you know, to hear the gospel by the thousands. And then the next one is this is another town. This is a totally Muslim town, totally Muslim. And uh, next one. Uh, this is uh, also a Muslim town because we targeted places with a, where there's a lot of Muslims. Some areas have more Muslims than others. Then the next one, uh, this is Bunju. This is also a Muslim town. Now, if you notice, the crusades were held in the daytime because in Tanzania they don't allow meetings at night. So we, we always do our meetings at night, and, but all the meetings were in the daytime. Okay, and the next one, uh, this is a miracle. This is a Maasai tribesman who was completely blind, uh, sorry, deaf, and God opened his deaf ears. As you can see, he's wearing the traditional Maasai clothing. The next one is, now this, this little child, uh, he was, um, I don't know how to describe his condition, but one of his eyeballs was actually rolled back, like the pupil was facing backwards, the Back of the eye was in the front. It was rolled back. And the other eye was straight, but he could, I mean, he was practically blind, couldn't see anything, uh, just see blurs. And, and in an instant, uh, he was in the crowd, and God touched him, and his eye rolled back into place, and he received perfect sight. Praise God. And the next one is, uh, this is a woman who was both blind and deaf, and the caption tells you, and she got healed. Uh, now, this is interesting because in this town, um, we invited, the, you know, the, there was a lady who was like the, some, uh, not a mayor, but, uh, you know, a mayor is of one town, but the lady who was in charge of the whole, whole district. And so she came, and she was a Muslim, and uh, she began to, you know, because we had made some donation of some cement and other things that the town needed because they were constructing something in the local school because it's good to help them out that way. You know, it, 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 it uh, gives us a good relationship with the authorities. So she came to thank us and she said, now I want to tell you something. There's a lady who works in my office, that, is, that was her deputy. She said that she was here the night before last and this lady had a cancer uh, on her breast and it was like an open sore. It was bleeding continually and and, uh, and, uh, and she had been to many doctors and hospitals and they couldn't do anything and said that now they're raising money to send her overseas for treatment because this cancer was spreading. The sore, were open sore was getting bigger and bigger. And she said that she came here night before last uh, and was in the crowd. And then when Pastor Christopher began to pray, the sore began to close and the, and the whole thing. And so when she went home, the thing was completely closed, there was nothing there. Then she went to the doctor, doctor checked and said, you have no cancer. So that was a, and that was this Muslim lady. So that, that was on this, in this place. Okay, the next one is this man, uh, he had a fist-sized tumor that disappeared. That was in his, actually in his abdomen that disappeared when the Lord touched him. And the next one is, yeah, this man was actually carried to the crusade. He was bedfast was unable to walk or to stand for a long time. And he got healed and got up and began to walk. And the next one is, uh, this is a lady, she was completely blind and had a large tumor in her belly. And God gave her her sight back and, and took away the tumor. 
And the next one is this. Now, this Muslim lady, she was completely deaf because for three years she had a large tumor somewhere around here. And actually, uh, part of it was inside and part of it was kind of outside, right here behind the ear, and she could feel it. And that tumor had, you know, it put puts pressure on some of the nerves, so she had lost her hearing. And then she came up excited. She says, the tumor isn't there anymore. I can't feel it anymore. And my hearing has come back. So received her hearing. And the next one is this man. You know, he was completely lame. He got up and began to walk and to run and to jump. And the next picture, uh, this uh, this lady was totally deaf since birth received her hearing for the first time ever. And then the next one is, uh, this lady had a large growth, like a tumor, on the side of her breast. And because of that, she couldn't even move her arm. Uh, and and, and that, that thing completely disappeared, and she could move her arm. And the next one is, yeah, the Assemblies of God asked me to teach their pastors. And so there were like 3,000 pastors there. Now, this is the left side. And the next picture uh, shows the right side. And the third picture, it shows the center of the hall. It was a huge place. They had, it, it was amazing. We had 3,000 of their leading pastors. They came and, and God moved and many pastors were healed. I mean, we had hundreds of, we had people who were paralyzed who got up, began to walk, and they were blind people, and who received sight, tumors disappeared, and they testified. So as a result, uh, we have got a lot of favor with them, and they want to work with us. So, so we are going um, this year, uh, I have promised to do six crusades for them in, uh, in a region light, right by Lake Victoria, and, um, which is in the western end of the country. And the general superintendent, he told me, that uh, that area, which is called the Lake District, is largely Muslim and has a humongous amount of witchcraft. And they said, can you come there and help us break through so we can plant churches there? So I think it's going to be excited. So we'll be there. So we'll be there and um, do those crusades and help them plant those churches. So it'll be good. And then... uh, I want to mention this. I took a copy of uh, Pastor Edwin's book on the local church. And, uh, and I gave one copy. I first gave one copy to their, their direct, national director of evangelism of the Assemblies of God. He loves the book. And he wants it to be translated into Swahili and distributed to their pastors. And then uh, <coughs> and they, they wanted him to come. Actually, they said, can he come now? I said, he can't just come, get on a plane and come. I mean, he's got his church, he can't just get away. They said, no, no, but okay, when can you bring him? I said, okay, I pro- <laughs> they were really, you know, I said, listen, I'm here. You want me also, right? <laughs> and they said, yeah, 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 you are here, but you are here, but we want him also. I said, okay, he'll come next year. So they, Pastor, they want, you guys should release him and... and, and, and so I, I want to take uh, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Greg uh, for a week teaching pastors. There's, a, you know, so it's, there's, a, there, there's some good things happening there in Tanzania. So I'll be in Tanzania because the other countries are still closed. Uh, they are not allowing any big gatherings, you know, and because they're just they're just scared and 
And uh, so, anyway, so we'll be doing our crusades in Tanzania this year. So, th- praise God. Thank you for your support. Thank you for standing with us. So, it has, it has been a good year for us. You know, people are complaining about how bad things are. I'm sorry. I Honestly, if I'm to be honest, I cannot complain. I'm really grateful. You know, to be able to do 10 crusades in Tanzania in spite of the situation, that is, we are grateful. We are beyond grateful. Praise God. So right now, my team leader has just come back from Tanzania, planning and prepping for this uh, coming th- this year. You know, we're going to start in April, so it's all good. And this week, I'm going to go to Argentina for a crusade. It's a good way to kick the year off. Praise God. Now, I want to show you some uh, a couple of videos. They're very short videos, and uh, I'll tell you, if you put on the first one and just stop when... It starts so I know what it is and I can tell you what's going on here. Okay, you can stop now. You see the girl in the middle, she, I don't know, maybe 16, 17 years old. She was born completely deaf and mute. And she had never heard nor spoken in her life and God had healed her right there. So she's up there to share her testimony. And uh, I think I'm speaking Hindi or Bengali here. I'm not speaking uh, English, but we can see. Okay. Amen. So, okay. So now comes the next one. Okay, you can pause here. Now, this lady had been, uh, I mean, she was in a vegetative state. She didn't recognize anyone. She couldn't see. First of all, she couldn't see. She couldn't hear. She couldn't speak. Uh, She was totally unresponsive, but she was alive. So, you know, her heart was beating, but like nothing was working for her. And she'd been like that for a long time. And they brought her in a car. So they parked the car on the side, and when the power of God came over the crowd, she opens the car door and jumps out and begins to walk. And so, and so she comes on the platform, and she's telling me what God has done for her. And then there was a guy standing behind her. You see, there's a, you see the guy in the, you see, there's a guy immediately behind her, and he was shouting and yelling, and I, I, he was getting on my nerves because I'm trying to talk to her, and he's yelling. So I said, who are you? And she said, I'm her pastor. I'm her pastor. I said, okay, sorry, pastor. I said, so I began to talk to the pastor to find out what was wrong with her. And uh, the pastor began to tell me, you know, she was blind, couldn't move, couldn't was her, you know, that kind of, the whole thing. Okay, just go. Let's see. Let's She couldn't see. She didn't recognize anybody. She says, I'm feeling good. I'm all right. Now she's walking. She couldn't walk either.
Okay, okay, now the last one. Okay, that's a, okay, this little kid was born paralyzed, had never stood on her legs nor walked. Okay, let us see now. Amen. Well, those are the three videos I wanted to show you. So this is an idea of what uh, has been going on. So, as I said, we have had a good year, you know. <laughs> we have had people saved by the thousands, people healed, and it has been good. Praise God. And God has opened and continues to open new doors. Praise God. Now, what I want to do today, I was praying this morning, and, and this is what the Lord put in my heart to share with you. I want to help you to be able to effectively pray for sick people so that God can use you, all right? So, but what I'm, I've divided this into two parts because I want you to understand, <coughs> I used to teach this in Bible college as a 21-hour subject. So I'm trying to <laughs> boil this down into two sessions. I couldn't do it in one session, so... Just to give you a background, then we'll talk about the healing ministry of Christ, which, which are very important. It's important for us to have an Old Testament foundation, uh, you know, understand uh, the nature of God. Because healing isn't just something that God does. It is connected to the nature of God. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about the healing ministry of Jesus. And uh, because those are the principles on which uh, we base our healing ministry. And then I'm going to go on and in the evening I'm going to tell you how to actually minister to the sick. And the whole idea is not just to give you some knowledge because you know a lot of things. But it is to be able to equip you so you can go out and do the works of Jesus. Because in John 14 verse 12 Jesus said, he who believes in me shall do the same things that I do. And greater things than these shall he do. Uh, because I go to the Father. So now people ask me, you know, they say, what are the greater things? Now don't jump the gun. Start doing what Jesus did. I'm still trying to, I'm still busy trying to do what Jesus did. Now when I have done everything that Jesus did, then I'll say, okay, I've done everything that Jesus did. Now I'm going to do those greater things that he's talking about. But I have not finished doing the things that Jesus did. It's a so, so don't even, don't ask those questions that really <laughs> are unrealistic, you know, but we, we should, but our goal, our goal should be to be able to do the things that Jesus did. And those words, John fourteen twelve, was not written to ministers. They were written to believers. He who believes in me. You know, now I understand that, you know, you got to, there are two things that are there. It's like the two tracks of a railway track. A train needs two tracks to run on. One track is, of course, uh, there are gifts of healings and that there are fivefold ministry gifts. And you've got the, especially the apostles and the evangelists, they, they, their message is followed by signs and wonders. You have that part. And then there are gifts of healings put in the church. You, you have that part. So that is good. But that does not exclude the believer's ministry. 
that's a that's a different thing but it's very important and sometimes you know we think of uh, ministers you know apostles who have signs following their message and and then we've got gifts of healings that are set in the church and we think okay they, they are the ones who god will use to heal the sick no god will use the believers to heal the sick because you as a believer even if you're not in the fivefold ministry gifts you can reach people that you know nobody else will ever reach that's your world you have a sphere of influence which i don't have which pastor edwin does not have so but but you have to do the works of jesus and that should be our goal our goal should be to do the works of jesus in our community in you know uh, in our circle of friends and acquaintances and families we have to demonstrate the gospel but we have to start thinking that way we have to start thinking that god wants to use me because i know that i've lived in america 28 years and many christians they think that well you know uh, i'm saved and my family is okay kids are in church i have a good marriage you know i've my bills are paid and god is taking care of me and i'm okay it's not okay it doesn't end with that those are just the blessings that god gives us but there's a world out there that god wants you to reach amen You see what I'm saying? You can't just have a one-dimensional kind of thinking. My needs are met. My family is okay. I'm good. No, it's not good because there's people there who are dying, going to hell without Jesus, and God wants to use you so that people are saved and people are healed and people are set free. So that is my purpose for sharing this. Okay, let's go to Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, uh, we read the story of the Passover lamb, and it says that how they ate the passover lamb for physical strength also remember when they put the uh, the blood upon the upon the door posts and the lintels and they ate of the passover lamb and the passover lamb uh, gave them strength and health in because in psalm 105 verse 37 the bible refers to how god brought the people of israel out of egypt It says he brought them forth also with silver and gold and there was not one feeble feeble means sick or weak person among their tribes so you can think of how many israelites came out of egypt there were a couple of millions of them but and you know if you see the movie uh, the movie the 10 commandments when moses led the people Uh, of Israel out of Egypt and there were people on crutches and some were being carried and it wasn't that way everybody came out healed because they ate of the passover lamb it says there was not one weak or feeble person among their tribes every single israelite was healed because of one factor the passover lamb they ate the passover lamb and because they ate the passover lamb Every, just imagine a whole nation an entire nation was healed and they came out of egypt under their own steam as i would say they came walking on their own amen so we receive physical strength through our lamb 1 corinthians 5:7 paul says for christ is our passover sacrifice for us therefore we shall also keep the feast Christ is our passover. 
So just like the, the Israelites had their Passover lamb, we have our Passover lamb. And that is Jesus. That is why, you know, we don't do like a Jewish Passover Seder, remember? They, some churches do that. They do a Jewish Passover Seder. Because a Jewish Passover Seder actually consists of symbols. But we don't have symbols. We have the reality. That is Jesus Christ. He is our Passover lamb. Hallelujah. So we have our Passover lamb. So when we, so you have to remember that when we take communion by faith, we partake not bread and wine. Bread and wine is what it is physically. But by faith, we partake of the body and the blood of the lamb. So that is why when we take communion, we thank God for his blood that was shed for us. We thank God for his body that was broken for us. And we believe that what we are partaking of is not symbolic things, but we are partaking of the body and the blood of Christ. And that is health and healing for us. Amen. Praise God. So the Lord healed the people. In We read in Second Chronicles 30 verse 20, it said... How the Lord healed the people of Israel when they kept the Passover. So when we take communion, it is a time of healing. Amen. You know, there's several things about communion. One is, of course, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And we remember the Lord's death. That, But that is only one thing. We remember the Lord's death. But the second thing is that we are partaking of the blood of Jesus. And the third thing is that we are partaking of the body of Christ. So not only do we remember the Lord's death, but we are also receiving life and healing. Amen. Praise God. Now, in Romans 8.11, Romans 8.11 says, If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, he shall also strengthen our mortal bodies by the same spirit. Amen. Romans 8.11. Let me read this scripture to you as it says in the King James. Romans Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. That means the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? Right. So what he's saying that if that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. So the Holy Spirit we have, that we have received is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It says Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. That means that the glory of the Father lives in us. Hallelujah. Amen. This has to be your confession, your acknowledgement that the Spirit of God lives in me. The glory of God lives in me. And, and, and not a copy or imitation Holy Spirit. But the same Spirit that when Jesus was uh, in the grave. You know and his body was down in Hades. And the Holy Spirit came down. And raised him from the dead. That very same Holy Spirit dwells in me. And then it says. Uh, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Quicken means To give life, make alive. He shall also make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Which means that, uh, you know, because see, 
Our bodies are mortal. There's an acknowledgement here that our bodies are mortal. We are here for a time. We get born and then what happens is that, you, you know, over time your body, it says your body regenerates itself. You know, the body heals itself. Your cells are recreated, your hair and all that. But as time grows, you reach a certain point when uh, th- that process slows down. And that's when the body begins to decay, so as to say. And then you reach the end of your life. So your body is mortal in the sense that it's here for a time and then, but... During the time it is here, when you have the Holy Spirit inside you, he is going to renew your strength day by day. He is going to give life and strength and make alive your, your body. Hallelujah. That is why we can claim good health even if we grow old. You know, even if you're 80 or 90, you can, you can ask God for good health and not just throw your hands up. Well, I'm old anyway, I'm going to die. You can't think that way. Yes, you're old. Yes, you're going to die. But you can't just give up. And because that's not your destiny. That's not your lot. Your lot is to uh, have your flag flying high when you go. When it's time for you to go, you go. But until that day comes, you know, you can say the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He dwells in me. And he infuses life and strength and, and makes my mortal body, my body which is decaying, he makes it alive so that I can live for God and I can serve him. Hallelujah. So we live like, like victors and not like victims. Amen. But you know, you think, and, and, but why do we need it? Well, the reason we need it is because we live in a fallen world. You know, we live in a fallen, sinful world, and that is under a curse. Now, the curse that was over, over, over our lives has been broken, but there will come a day when the whole earth shall be redeemed, you know. But that day hasn't come. Every creature on earth, everything shall be redeemed. But until that day, although we live in a falling and fallen and decaying and imperfect world, we have to remember that we have a perfect God whose word is perfect, and we are children of the Most High God, and that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is working in our body and making us strong as we, as we plot our course and walk through this world. God gives us strength. Amen. So in Christ, there is not only spiritual life, but there's also physical life. We often think of the eternal life we receive through Christ and the spiritual life, but we also have physical life and strength through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Now, in Numbers 21, we read the story. Uh, in Numbers 21, verse 9, we read the story of the, of the brazen serpent. And that whole chapter, uh, I, I would really recommend that when you go back home and read it. I mean, for short shortage of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But here's the story. You see, the people of Israel were in the wilderness... And then what happened was that uh, uh, I think they faced three kings in battle who were stronger than them. And Moses asked the Lord to, to give them victory. And God gave them victory. And they rejoiced. But then they began to complain about the food. I said, these guys got to be Americans, you know. They come, they, God, God gives them victory. And the first thing, they, it's quite funny to read. They began to complain about the food they were getting. And so then the Lord was mad at them, you know. The Lord got mad at them. 
and uh, he kind of released this, you know, because the Bible does promise blessings and curses. Deuteronomy 28 talks about blessings and curses. Uh, if you obey the Lord, there are blessings. If you don't obey God, there are curses. And so this curse came upon them, and the curse came in the form of uh, snakes, you know, uh, just thousands of snakes came uh, in the desert and they began to bite the people and people were dying left and right and then the people realized they had sinned against God so they went to Moses and said, Moses, please do something and Moses went before the Lord and the Lord told Moses, Moses, take some copper and make a serpent of copper and mount that copper serpent on a pole and uh, stand before the people and uh, tell the people, whoever looks at it, uh, the curse, uh, his sins shall be forgiven. The curse on his life shall be broken. He shall be healed and he shall not die and he shall live. So Moses quickly took some copper and make, made a serpent of a copper in its purest form. It's a very soft and pliable metal. So he quickly made a copper serpent, nailed it to a pole, ran to the camp and lifted up the copper serpent. And, uh, and he told the people, look at this. Everyone who looks at it. God is going to do a miracle. And as those people who were dying looked at the copper serpent, an amazing, amazing thing happened. Thousands and thousands, I mean countless tens of thousands of people, their sins were forgiven and their diseases were healed. The curse over their life was broken and they didn't die and they lived. And so this story of the copper serpent uh, you know, it became a big thing. And not only that, the people of Israel carried that pole with that copper serpent around for 1,200 years. Everywhere they went, they took it with them. And that copper serpent on a pole became a symbol of God's healing covenant to the point that even today, in any country of the world, you go to a hospital or a pharmacy, you'll see, if you look, you'll see a symbol of a pole with a snake on it. You know, that's where it comes from. It's a symbol of God's covenant to forgive sins and to heal sicknesses. So what I'm trying to tell you is that all these things are in the Old Testament. And if God could do so much for his people in the Old Covenant, how much, won't he, how much more won't he do this for us in the New Covenant? Amen. So, so anyway, so, uh, you know, so they had the Moses had his copper serpent. And the legend, the story of that copper serpent, it went down, you know, through the ages. And then when Nicodemus came to see Jesus, and in John chapter 3, you remember when Nicodemus said to Jesus, he says, Master, Rabbi, I know you're a man sent from God because nobody could do these things, uh, miracles you do unless God was with him. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. You remember that story? And if you go down to verse 14, <coughs> I'm sorry, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the copper serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whosoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so that, that copper serpent... Jesus is our copper serpent. Just like that copper serpent, what that copper serpent was to the Israelites, Jesus is to us. But there's some, some significant difference. Says one difference was that that copper serpent was made by man. But Jesus came from God. That was the first thing. The second thing is that that 
copper serpent worked only once. One, it was, what do you call it, one hit wonder, you know. Only one occasion, it healed the sick. It broke curses. People received forgiveness. It never happened again. But Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. For 2,000 people, he has been saving sinners. He has been healing people. He has been bringing deliverance to people. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The other thing was that the copper serpent was only for the people of Israel. But Jesus is for all mankind. So you think of it. So you see that. You see that in the Old Testament and you see the type and the symbol in the Old Testament, the type and the shadow. But in the New Testament, we have the reality. Amen. So that promise of healing wasn't, a, a, you know, it was, it was one of the main things. It was part of God's covenant. Now, in Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. And who heals all your diseases. Hallelujah. Wonderful promises in the old covenant. So when we talk about healing, it is something that is solidly anchored in the Bible. You know, there are people, churches, you know, who say, well, I don't believe in this. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's still in the Bible. You know, I tell people, it doesn't matter what you believe or what you think of it. Because it's not what you think or you believe that decides truth, but it is what is in the Bible that decides truth. So when we are talking about healing the sick, it is something that is solidly anchored in the scripture. It is biblical beyond any doubt because this is something God did in the Old Testament and everything that he did in the Old Testament is a type and shadow that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So... That's where it starts in the Old Testament and goes into the New. Now, then when God began to speak to Abraham and God revealed himself, uh, you know, he made his covenant with Abraham. He revealed himself with a covenant name and that was Yahweh or Jehovah. Yahweh is God's covenant name. And and then th- that covenant name was Yahweh was compounded with another word which describes the different uh, attributes of that covenant. For example, Yahweh Nissi, which means um, I'm the Lord, your banner of victory. That was, your, that was the, the promise that I'm the Lord and I am your victory. Wherever you'll go, you'll have victory. Yahweh Shammah, that means I'm the Lord uh, who is always present. I will never leave you or forsake you. Wherever you go, I'll go with you. Yahweh Jireh. Yahweh Jireh means, I'm the Lord, your provider. There was a promise of provision. Yahweh Shalom, I'm the Lord, your peace. Yahweh Sitzkenu, I'm the Lord, your righteousness. So all these things were promised to the people of Israel. Uh, but the caveat was that they stay within the covenant, that they obey the Lord. And if you... Because these, these things wouldn't work for them if they didn't walk with God. If they walked with God, all these things would be for them. And so, that was Yahweh Rapha. That was, I am the Lord, your healer. Or in other words, the word healer means physician. I am the Lord, your doctor. How many of you have a family doctor you go to? Right? Jesus is your family doctor. Some of you folks so spiritual, you don't have a family doctor. Well, I got one, right? 
Dr. Jeffrey Gerard. He's been our family physician for many, many years. But we got a senior family physician who I always go to first. I am the Lord, your physician. I'm the Lord, your healer. Hallelujah. And you know, we should always go to him first. Because in the Bible, if you read the history of Israel, there were all these kings and some of them are really bad and some of them are really good. And some of them were in between. And, uh, but there was one king and he was a good king, King Asa. But King Asa died an untimely death. You know what his sin was? He went to the doctors before he went to God. And God was displeased with that. So the Lord is our physician. He's the first one we go to. Amen. So, you know, so it's interesting that in, in the uh, Old Testament, in Exodus fifteen twenty six, it says that I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord your healer. So we see this, it's solidly anchored in the Old Testament. And if you, if you do some study, it's very fascinating. I tell people, uh, when you read the Bible, don't just, you know, I mean, look, it's good to have a devotional when you read a couple of chapters every day. I like to do that. But sometimes it's good to sit down and study the scriptures. What does God say about healing? What does God say? You know, there are some issues today that are, uh, I should say, important issues. One of the things is mental disorders, mental illness. What does God say about that? Did Jesus bear, took, take upon himself our mental infirmities also? It's good. You know, it's good to know what God says about, you know, it's one way to read the Bible, just going chapter by chapter for your and pick out certain verses that speak to you. But to understand the plan of God. Understand the heart of God. Because it says in Psalm 103. There's an interesting verse. It says he made his ways known to Moses. His deeds to the people of Israel. The people of Israel saw the works of God. But Moses knew the ways of God. Maturity as a Christian isn't just to see miracles or to see the deeds of God, but maturity as a Christian is to know the ways of God. The ways of God. So you can kind of predict, what is he going to do now? How does, what does God think of this? How does he, you know, how can I expect him to act? What can I expect in my life, in this situation I am in? And for that, we have to know the ways of God. And if you, if you really want to know the ways of God, like you, you know, you get to know him instead of just as opposed to just seeing his deeds. Then uh, we have to go beyond that chapter by chapter, you know, that daily devotional thing and really study the scripture. And it's fascinating because when you study the scriptures, things come up that you didn't know were there. And that is when we grow because then suddenly we see and then how we how that growth actually comes is when we put those things into practice in our lives and we, you know, we take steps of faith and say, okay, uh, this is what the Bible says about the ways of God. This is what God is like. Now, he's telling me that if I will do this, he's going to do that. So then we, you know, we, we begin to walk in the ways of God. We begin to do those things. And it's amazing how we see miraculously God just comes in and he fulfills his part of the deal. And that is, that is the walk of faith. That is the life of faith. 
Amen. So to know the ways of God, to understand his ways. Amen. Now, now I want to tell you some of the keys to the healing ministry of Christ. Okay. I looked at, I studied the healing ministry of Christ and um, I wanted to find out what, you know, what made him tick. You know, how, how did he do it? Because we are supposed to follow him because the Bible says be imitators of Christ. I want to do things as he did it because that's the right way to do it. The first key to the healing, I'm talking about the healing ministry of Christ, not about anything else, okay? The first, now the reason I'm focusing on the healing ministry of Christ is simply this. If you look at the four gospels, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they give us a detailed uh, description of the healing ministry of Jesus. Not only that, uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John consist of a uh, little over 3,500 verses. Okay, that's, if you count the total number of verses, is about 3,500, a little more than 3,500. Of those 3,500 verses, 700, that is 20% of all the verses in the four Gospels, over 700 verses, show Jesus either healing the sick or casting out demons. So if 20% of the verses of the four Gospels show Jesus healing the sick and casting out demons, it gives me an idea that he probably spent more time healing the sick and casting out demons than in most other activities. It was one of the things he did that consumed most of his time, healing the sick and casting out devils, because 20% of all the verses in the four Gospels show him, and that is why it is important. We were discussing this, you know, why is it important to pray for the sick? Well, two reasons. Firstly, because Jesus did it. If it was not important, Jesus wouldn't have done it. And not only did he do it, but he spent so much of his time and put so much of effort and energy into healing the sick. And the second reason is the price that Jesus paid. If you look at the terrible price that Jesus paid at that whipping post when he was whipped and beaten and crucified, just the price he pays, he paid for our healing, it tells us how important our healing is in the eyes of God. Are you with me? Okay. So let's look at the healing ministry of Christ. The first first key to the healing ministry of Christ is faith. Faith. Jesus was a man of faith. It's wrong to assume that God wants us to have faith, but Jesus, because he's God, he didn't need faith. You've got to understand that when Jesus was on this earth, he was not operating as, as God. He left his divine glory. He was still God, but he left his divine glory and prerogatives and became one of us and became a servant and became a man. He studied the scriptures. If you remember when he was a kid, he, he studied the scriptures. So when Satan tempted him, he didn't say to Satan, Satan, do you know who you're talking to? I'm the son of God. I'm, I created you. Get out of here. He didn't say that. He said, it is written. And so faith was the first important key to the healing ministry of Jesus. And remember, your faith will never rise 
above the level of the word in your life. The higher the level of the word in your life, the higher the level of your faith will be. I'm not generalizing, that's the way it is, you know. Okay? More word, more faith. Less word, less faith. Or let's put it this way. More Bible, more faith. Less Bible, less faith. Amen. That's why I really, really must emphasize, especially to you young folks, that you, I know life is busy, there's a lot of things, interesting things on TV and on the internet, but do develop a habit of studying the scriptures because it will benefit you more than anything else. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you know, there are shows on TV that are entertaining, that will make you laugh. But a week later, you'll forget what was in that episode. It isn't funny anymore. But the word, you invest your time in the word, boy, it'll pay off for the rest of your life. Amen. Okay? Faith. So, in John 11, when Jesus was going to raise up Lazarus, I mean, I I see how the confidence he had in faith, we see in verses 41 and 43, when he stood before the grave of Lazarus, and he said, Father, I know you have already heard me. Now, it didn't, doesn't show us when Jesus actually prayed to the Father. But he walked in this communion with his Father. He says, Father, I know you have already heard me. But I'm now saying this so that these people who are around me may know that I'm sent by you. Amen. So, there was that, that was the first key to the ministry of Jesus. He was a man of faith. Second thing was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And faith in the anointing. He knew he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. You know, when he was in the river Jordan, got baptized and he came back to his home synagogue. He said, the Spirit of the Lord, this is in Luke chapter 14, verse 18. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus knew he was anointed And he had faith in the anointing. Amen. And in Acts 10.38, if you read the words of Peter, summing up the ministry of Jesus. It's interesting, in one sentence he sums up the ministry of Jesus. He said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And how he went around doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with them. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And he went around doing good and healing everybody who was oppressed of the devil. Wow. One verse describes his entire ministry. So that's the second key. Anointing of the Holy Spirit. So first we need faith and faith comes by the word. And secondly is the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. The third key was love and compassion. Love and compassion. Compassion. Now, I must say one thing. Compassion isn't feeling sorry for people. Anyone can feel sorry for You don't have to be a Christian to feel sorry for people. You, can't, you don't even have to be a believer to look at people's plight and feel sorry for them and... You know, and feel something in your heart that you've got to do something about it. That's not compassion. Compassion is not need-based or need-oriented. You have to be very, very careful because if you're too 
need-based and need-oriented and you're always looking at, you know, people's needs around you, it'll end up breaking your heart. It'll hurt you. You'll come to the point when you'll feel guilty having a nice meal because there's people who have nothing to eat. You'll feel guilty buying a pair of shoes because there's people who have no shoes to wear. There's only one man who can carry the sorrows and the burdens of all mankind. And that is Jesus. So what is compassion? Compassion isn't when you look at the needs of people and you allow that to, you know, make you feel bad. But compassion is when you seek the face of God. When you seek the face of God and you draw close to the Lord. And the Bible says that he who is, uh, he, he who gives them himself to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And when you become one spirit of the Lord, Jesus, who carries all the burdens of all mankind, will at times take a, up a piece of that burden and put it in your heart. And suddenly, you know, you're in prayer and this spirit of intercession comes on you. And you, I don't know if it has ever happened to you. You begin to weep and you cry and you don't know what is happening. But that kind of thing only comes if you live a life of prayer. If you live a life of prayer, it will sometimes come upon you. And then, But what is happening? And you see, why am I feeling this way? Sometimes you can actually feel something physically or something like a burden in your heart and you don't know. It has nothing to do with you. But that is God taking a piece of someone else's burden, putting it in your heart. So you begin to pray and you break through it. Compassion is a, uh, compassion actually bridges over people's unbelief and gets healed, gets people healed who have no faith. I remember there was a situation, I can tell you a story, years ago in Sweden, there was this uh, lady, she had all kinds of diseases and incurable and uh, doctors couldn't do anything and she was in great pain. And uh, so because of that, you don't mind if I'm frank with you, could I? Okay, it's Okay. So because of that, she couldn't have physical intimacy with her husband. But that husband of hers, he was literally raping her, forcing himself on her, and she really suffered. So she came to me. She was in such pain. She said, this is what my husband is doing to me. And I remember, uh, they used to go to my meetings. I remember the husband, he would, he would be sitting there in church looking so pious and holy. And this is what he was doing. So... I, I got really bad. I said some choice things to her, you know, which I won't go into. And anyway, so a couple of days later, I was preaching. I was staying in someone's house, and he shows up with his wife. And he wants to talk to me. Now, he was a much bigger guy than me. You know, he was a big guy, and he was mad. So I said, I said, okay, let's talk. So his wife was in the next room with the ladies, and he sat on the sofa and, uh, and I said to him, what's your problem? He began to tell me. I said, you're not in a position to tell me anything. Because I know what you are doing to your wife. You're a very wicked man. And you have to repent. I said, there's no discussion here. You have to repent before God. Boy, he didn't like that. And I told him, I said, hey, you have to repent. And so, anyway, so he got, he was, he got quiet. And I talked to him and then I said, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm, I'm done. I've said what I'm going to say. It's, you know, the ball is in your court. You do, you know, 
you, you can take it or leave it. And I got up to leave. I got up and I, I remember as I left the room, I crossed, I was at the door. In fact, I had one foot in the room, the other foot was in the next room. I was at the threshold of the door when something suddenly came over me. I don't know it was what it was. It came over me and I began to cry. I just began to weep uncontrollably. So I, I, I walked to the man and I sat on the coffee table. He was sitting in the sofa. And uh, he was looking at me because uh, I was mad at him. And the next thing you know, I'm weeping. And so I grabbed this man's head and held it to my chest. And I just, I just cried. And I remember crying, Lord, I pray for this man like I pray for my own son. Have mercy on him. I just cried and cried and cried. I cried for a long time. And uh, then suddenly it lifted from me. When it lifted from me, I, I kind of... I was kind of embarrassed, you know. <laughs> what have I just done? <laughs> and this guy, you know, I said, okay, you know. So I walked out of the room. You know what happened? You know what happened? That time I was crying, the Holy Ghost came upon his wife in the next room and she was healed. And he completely turned around and, and every, it was a miracle. Everything was restored. Now that is compassion. Compassion, you know, feeling sorry for someone is a force of the human soul. Compassion is a force of the spirit. But when it says Jesus was moved with compassion, it was because he walked with the Father. When we walk with Jesus, we will be moved with compassion. There will be times it will come over you and, and, and that's when some of the greatest miracles take place. When compassion moves in our hearts. And because it bridges over unbelief if it's our lack of faith or people's unbelief compassion builds a bridge over that and god can come through and do amazing i've seen i've seen this several times in my life and each time it has been powerful things that were beyond the scope of my faith if you understand uh, beyond my faith and beyond those people. God, God has just done amazing things. So that was one thing we see. We see several times Jesus and Jesus moved with compassion said this. And Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus moved with compassion. And there's many scriptures if you re- read the gospels uh, where it talks about the compassion of Jesus. Okay. Uh, fourth key was, was boldness. He listened to the father and he did as his father told him. He listened to the father and he did what the father told him. He says, I do my father's will, not my own. I do his works. He listened to the father and just did what the father told him. Number five, he healed all who came to it. All who came to him. Jesus never turned anyone away. If you look at all the people who came to Jesus... He never said even once, well, it's not my will to heal you. Or, you know, the father has other things planned. He wants you to to teach you something through this situation. And when the lesson is learned, then you'll, you know, he never said such things. He never refused to heal anyone who came to him. If you look at the four gospels, he never said to anyone, I'm not going to heal you. Number six, he was always willing to heal. Number seven, he recognized disease as the devil's work. 
It's interesting. He looked, you know, you, you remember when Jesus came to the synagogue in Capernaum. Okay? So this is it's very interesting. He comes to the synagogue in Capernaum. And there's a demon possessed guy who begins to act up. And the Bible says, and Jesus rebuked the devil. Now, I studied that word rebuke. It's the Greek word epitimao. It means to strongly scold somebody. That means get out of here. You know, very strongly rebuked the devil. And the man was delivered. Well, Jesus then leaves the synagogue and goes to Peter's house where Peter's mother-in-law is sick, who had a fever. And it's interesting because Jesus stood over Peter's mother-in-law and it says he rebuked the fever. The same Greek word, epitimao, that means Jesus spoke to Peter's mother-in-law's fever the same way he spoke to the demon in that young man. Now it doesn't mean that the mother-in-law was demon-possessed. Some mothers-in-law are, but not, not her. In fact, that's also the reason why Peter denied Jesus, because he healed his mother-in-law. But that's, that's, another, that's another revelation that the body of Christ is not prepared for. But anyway, but I'm sharing it with you. But, okay, but here's the thing. Jesus spoke to the devil. And a few minutes later, he spoke to the Fever in the same way. That means he treated disease like he treated the devil. He hated disease like he hated the devil. So that's, you know, that's quite an eye-opener. And eight, he could not heal people because of unbelief. In Mark chapter 6, we see he came to his hometown. But this is a different kind of unbelief. This is an unbelief which is based on familiarity. There are different kinds of unbelief. There's one kind of unbelief when people don't have faith just because they don't know. You know, someone hasn't heard the word and that's unbelief. He doesn't know. Then there's another kind of unbelief when people know but they refuse to believe. But this kind of unbelief is interesting because it's based on familiarity. They grew up with him. And when we see people in the flesh, and Paul said in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says that, you know, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature, all things are passed away. If you look at the verses before that, Paul said something interesting. He says, we knew Jesus in the flesh, but we know him so no longer. We, you know, it is very important that we know people by the spirit instead of the flesh. Because if there are people, if you, your spiritual leaders, your pastors, if you, if you begin to look at them in the flesh, you understand what I'm saying? It's very important. I'll be very, very frank with you. You go Pastor Edwin and, you know, He's older than most of us. He has always been the pastor. But you look at Pastor Greg. Some of you probably knew him when he, was a, when he was much younger. But he's a man of God now. He's not that kid you knew then. So it's very important. Because if you look at him in the flesh. Oh Greg, yeah I know him. You will not be able to receive. What God has to give you through this man. 
Because you know him after the flesh. And sometimes you just have to make that shift. Like my pastor, Pastor Sam, he's, he's, he's older than me and he, he retired. And he handed over the church to a younger man who I've known since he was 17. He was a worship leader. He became worship pastor and now he's the pastor. And he, when I, I used to do my meetings, he used to come when he was 20, 21. He used to play the piano in my meetings. And I have to be very careful how I treat him. Because when he comes around, he always respects me. But the Lord told me, you have to respect his office as a pastor. So I all, all these years I called him Matt, but I don't do that anymore. I call him Pastor Matt. He looks at me funny. <laughs> so I call him pastor now. Because I don't want to know him in the flesh. I want to know him in the spirit. There's a, there's a kind of unbelief that goes with familiarity. That can stop you from receiving what God has for you. So, Pastor Greg, you don't mind my saying that. Okay. It's better somebody else toots your horn than you toot your own. (laughs) He would never go and say these things to you. But I'm telling you this. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in this case, it was the sin of familiarity. Oh, Jesus, we know him. He's the son of Joseph and Mary. We went to Sunday school with him. We know that kid. We used to pray. What is this about miracles happening through his ministry? You know, and they were offended. They were offended. And it says Jesus couldn't do any mighty things there except heal a few sickly people. So we have to be very, very, very mindful. Amen? Amen. Did you get what I'm saying? Okay. Then, the next key, key number nine. There were the special times when the power of the Lord was present to heal them. In Luke chapter 5, 17, there were all these Pharisees. And it says... The power of the Lord was present to heal them. There are just those times when the spirit of God moves. And the power of God comes. And something is available there. There are certain things we cannot (laughs) explain. And then we try to recreate them, you know, by having some special kind of music. Because that's the song we sang when the anointing came. So we said, no, you know. Listen, it's not just one thing. It is the worship, it's the prayers, it's the faith. It's a bunch of things that work together and boom, the Holy Ghost shows up. And then thank God for the special times. But God does that with a purpose. But he does that with a purpose when we are prayed up. Amen? If we are not prayed up, God won't come. But if we are, there's always a group of people in the church who are praying who prayed up, and it is because of their devotion and their faith that God shows up. Okay, now, I'm going to end by telling you something. Simple. Uh, The four kinds of situations in which Jesus healed the sick. Firstly, as I said earlier, Jesus healed the sick if people asked him. People said, Lord, heal me. Jesus would heal them. The second kind of situation was if the father directed him to. Like when Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. Remember when Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda and, and 
he walked in there and there were all these people. There was a crowd of people waiting for the moving of the waters. And, and Jesus walks up to this one guy. He says, do you want to be healed? And the guy said, sir, you know, the water moves. And the first person who gets in there would get healed. And there's always someone who gets in there before me because I can't walk. And Jesus says to him, rise up and walk. And the man got up and began to walk. And then he, you know what Jesus did? He didn't stick around to heal everybody. Why? I don't know. I think it was perhaps because nobody even gave him any attention. Nobody asked him. They were all too busy looking at the water. Nobody asked him. So what did Jesus do? He just left. After healing that one man. Then he walked out and then then they began to ask him and he says, he said something very interesting. He says, the son can only do that which he sees his father do. Because the father loves the son and shows him all things. I can only do, because he walked in communion with his father. I can only do that which the father tells me to do because the father loves me and tells me everything. That was, you know, God told him to heal this person. And Jesus went and healed him. And when that was done, he left. Nobody else asked him. Nobody else even took notice that this man had been healed. They were too busy, too focused on the water. Anyway, that was the first condition if people asked him. Second condition if the father directed him to. The third condition is what I just said. He was moved with compassion. God is moved by people's faith, but he's also moved by compassion. And as I said, when there's no faith, compassion bridges the gap. Like the leper in Mark chapter 2, who came to Jesus, he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me whole. So of course, he understood Jesus' ability to heal him, but he wasn't sure of his willingness. But he says, if you are willing, that's a classic example of someone who has no faith. But what did Jesus do? It said, and Jesus moved with compassion. Said, I will. Thank God when that compassion flows. Because when that compassion flows, anything can happen. Praise God. That's why if we sought the face of the Lord more and sought to be closer to Jesus, spend more time in prayer... As we draw close to the Lord, we would see more of that compassion flow. And we would see more miracles. And that's where the bigger miracles are. Because some of those bigger miracles are, I tell you what, they are beyond our faith. Because one thing about faith is your, it doesn't matter how big your faith is, your mind gets in the way. And your mind is what steps on the brakes, you know. And so what happens is, is that thank God for that compassion because when we spend time in prayer we spend time before the Lord and then we are in a place we are one with the Lord and when we are ministering the Holy Spirit can just boom put something in our heart and there goes a miracle an amazing miracle and then and you know I didn't have faith for this it was that divine element that came into my heart because of which this person is healed so you know, we, we, we need all these things. We need faith. We need compassion. We need all these things. But the fourth situation in which Jesus healed, that is very interesting. And that is when people pulled the miracle out of him. One was the, the, the Syrophoenician woman. That means she's a woman who was a 
mixed uh, Syrian and Lebanese. She was not even one of God's covenant people. And you remember she came to Jesus. She said, my daughter is possessed by the devil. And Jesus first ignored her. And then uh, she kept on crying. She wouldn't let go. And then, and, and then uh, the disciples said, Lord, just tell her to go away. And then Jesus said, listen, woman, I can't help you. I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel because she was not in Israel. And then she kept on following him. She wouldn't give up. And then Jesus said, listen, I can't take the bread from the children. Give it to the dogs. And then the woman, she decided, okay, I'm a dog. I'm going to stand on my rights as a dog. She said, the dogs have the right to eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table. I want that. And Jesus said, Woman, I have not seen such faith anywhere. She said, go, your daughter is healed. And that's what I mean. There, there are people who pull the miracle out of God. Pull the miracle. Amen. And that's, that's amazing because those are the people to whom Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Another example is the story of the unjust judge. Remember the story of the unjust judge, this woman, she want, there was this judge, it said, it describes him, he didn't fear God, he didn't fear man, he didn't fear anybody, and this woman came to him with her case, and, and the judge took one, looked at her, and he decided he didn't like her, he told her to get lost, but the woman, she refused to get up, she began to come to his house, she camped outside his door, she followed him around until she became a nightmare, she became his nightmare, and then he said, okay, Then he said, okay, you know what? I don't fear God and I don't fear man, but I'm going to give this woman what she wants because she is driving me nuts. And so he says, woman, and Jesus Jesus said, when the son of man shall return, shall he find faith upon the earth? What faith was he talking about? This kind of faith that pulls the miracle from God that doesn't give up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith isn't just passive. Faith is, you know, in Matthew it says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. And this unjust woman was the, this uh, woman with the story of the unjust judge, she was the kind of, she pulled the miracle from God. She took it by force. Amen. That means you, you know, and there there comes a time when you have to do that. When you just don't give up, you refuse to take no for an answer. And you stretch yourself out and I am going to take because this, I'm going to take it because this belongs to me. This miracle belongs to me. I'm going to take it and nobody's going to stop. And that for me is very powerful to see those stories in the Bible because they are the people to whom Jesus said, Your faith has healed you. He didn't say, I healed you. Your faith has healed you. Hallelujah. Oh, that woman with the issue of blood, how she came from behind him. And you know why she was afraid after she got healed? Because she had broken the law of Moses. Law of Moses said, anybody with an issue of blood, whoever she touches will become unclean. But you know, she didn't care. She came up behind him and she said, if I touch his garment, I'm going to be made whole. And she took the miracle. So you see in the New Testament, there are stories when people literally pulled the miracle out of Jesus. And he looked at them with admiration. I have not seen such faith in Israel. Your faith has healed you. Hallelujah. 
so this is just to give you a background of uh, you know healing ministry and we will continue in this uh, this evening and the evening we'll talk about how you can actually minister to the people but but i hope this has opened your eyes and that it's not just you know uh, people line up and you lay hands on them and pray kind soft you know cushion prayer but but there's more to it there's more to it and there's a there's a foundation to why we do these things amen there's a foundation and and god expects us to be more aggressive in taking hold of miracles both for ourselves and for people we have to be uh, more aggressive you know believing god isn't a passive kind of believing god okay jesus has done this this is what god has promised i receive but there's more to it we have to we we have to take hold of things amen At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.